Beginning the Trek, a 52-episode introduction to Star Trek. Similitude. I, f- I still am embarrassed that I mispronounced it, that I didn't even recognize the word. Uh, I just thought that it was some word in the in the show somewhere that they had made up. That it's a sci-fi word. Like, it's a Star Trek word. It's a sci-fi word, right. There's all kinds of cool sci-fi words, you know? Surprisingly, a lot of them are based in something. Like, they at least sound the way they are supposed to with what they're dealing with. But in this case, similitude actually... It turns out. Like, m- meant similar to and uh, yeah with similarities and things like that so uh you suppose that's greek or latin in its roots i don't know it's english now and i didn't know it so i <laughs> felt a little silly i think i edited out of the episode but I, I i still feel yeah you edited out of the here's what we're listening to next week i'm still not 100 sure that i know how if it's if it's pronounced amok time or omok time or amok time or what it is i don't know but this is this has been my track this has been my track so how's your track going it's a very starry track it's a starry track <laughs> we should let's say hi 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 everybody hello everybody welcome to beginning the track we are not that far from uh the end of the beginning of the trek so definitely go back if this is your first time you're gonna miss all of the cool inside jokes start at the beginning it's better that way episode one is only 50 hours behind us thereabouts (laughs) 100 if you watch the episodes but it feels like a lot more (laughs) it feels like a ton doesn't it it was a year ago it was a year. We've been doing this for a year. And what that means is today we have our 49th episode. Uh, so for those of you that are joining us for that, uh, that is similitude, an actual word. Similitude is, uh, from Star Trek's Enterprise series. And we found it really interesting. I think we agreed on some of the big ideas running through it. Uh, just kind of a good old-fashioned Star Trek moral. What are we running into and what does it mean? So many different ways, and we talked about some of the ways that the story could have gone, mm-hmm. but but didn't because it was just so juicy. Well done to the to the producers on this one. This was a this was a fun one. I thought so too. So you're gonna spoil that. I am. But before that, we've been going uh, without ads or anything. So we did just want to mention we do ha- we do want to keep this up and keep the website hosted and all of the files hosted so that people can keep accessing them even when we're not continuing to make anymore. Uh, and if you would like to support us in that, there is a PayPal donate button at beginningthetrek.com. In the little sidebar, we would really appreciate anything you have to offer. We'll go straight to all of those those expenses, yeah. Expenses. That's the word I was trying to look for. They've been they add up. They add up over over time. And and we love doing this and we love making it. What we really want to do is keep it up as absolutely long as possible. So if we can just get a little bit of support doing that, we can keep that going. So if this has been valuable for you, if you've shared this with friends and you now have great Star Trekky conversations because of it, if you if you can throw us a few dollars, uh, we would be very grateful. Okay. So now you can ruin similitude. Similitude. All right, here we go. <laughs> we are at a funeral with all in attendance as Captain Archer eulogizes to the crew. And then we pan down to the coffin and we find a peacefully laid to rest body of Charles Tripp Tucker. Two weeks earlier, to Paul and Tripp are completely failing to enjoy another bout of neuropressure, the foot fetish edition, while they discuss Tripp's plans to tech some really warpy tech tomorrow. 
The next day, Trip's tech-tacking begins, and things are going really well right up until they don't, and Trip gets zapped by his own technology, and he's straight to sickbay. His injuries are extensive, but Flux has an idea how to fix it. However, it involves this Lycerian desert larva that makes a really fast-growing clone to harvest tissue and save Trip's life. For the sake of the mission, let's do it, says Archer, and soon we have a bouncing baby trip for Flocks to care for, and let's call him Sim. As Sim ages, it becomes clear that he is also remembering Trip's life, because Star Trek, and now we have a growing problem on our hands. Questions of why am I here prompt Archer to show Sim that he is essentially an organ donor and that he will only live for two weeks and, wow, Archer, what were you thinking when you said yes to this plan in the first place? Oh, yeah, outside the ship, these magnetic barnacles are attaching to the hull and we need to get out of here really soon, but we can't seem to move and Sim, taking Trip's place during the briefing, comes up with a brilliant plan to save the ship. It turns out that the operation will kill Sim after all, cutting his life even shorter and forcing Archer to order his early demise. And with his life on the line, Sim Trip confesses his love to T'Pol. Sim's plan works, saving the Enterprise, but nothing can save Sim from Phlox's scalpel, and we come full circle to the funeral, with Sim lying in his coffin and T'Pol finally knowing how Trip really feels. So, can they please get on with it now? Let's talk episode. Similitude. Similitude. How close was I? I don't really remember. I remember it being like, oh, he's going to get cloned, right? Because similitude is like, or you had given away some of it, right? How much did I get right? No, actually, so if I remember correctly, so what you said was that you got the cloning part sort of right. I mean, it wasn't exactly a clone, but it was kind of like a duplicate. So sure. But the, where the story went, obviously, was just a little bit off of what you had originally thought of. Well, where the story went is a little bit off. I think about all of the stories they could have told and didn't tell. As much as I think about the story they did tell, it, this was... Mm, this, well, tell me that you th- tell me what you thought, because they don't care what I think. They know I like this, this episode. Tell me what you think. I have watched a lot of this, so I'm getting it in context a little bit more than I would if I was just watching the episode alone. Like you're all caught up third season all the way up to similitude. Yes. The things that I've had to skip, like I got halfway through season one and I've got halfway through season two. And now I started with season three and I watched Anomaly... Extinction, ugh, I watched half of Extinction. Somebody else please tell me that they couldn't get through that either because that was awful. Anywho, I got through the one with the girl who scans them being all, like, erotic or something. That was really, really interesting, especially with mm-hmm. Tafal. I got through Impulse and Exile and the Shipment, which Shipment was fascinating. So, I actually have this in context of all of the stuff that's been going on at least since the expanse and the Zindi. Okay. So we'll, we'll, we, what I promise to our listeners is we'll talk about some of those episodes during talking track. Okay. And if you need to bring up references to them, you have permission to do so now. That's what I'm kind of getting at. Yeah. Is. Yeah. Good. Good. So, and then we get to similitude, which is outside of the Zindi Mm storyline, outside of the expanse storyline for the most part. It's more sort of a, a puzzle episode and a, and a morality tale. Very. It's, uh, this is kind of what I wanted the original series to be, except still really, really sexist in my opinion. Uh, it's the standalone story. It's got the morals. (laughs) It's got, uh, old fashioned sci-fi idea. 
Uh, it's a metaphor for the human condition, and it does have just a lot of current-ish events thing going on. This is going to post, and I think we said this for the Zindi as well, this is going to post on September 12th, so obviously in my brain and in watching all of these, it is fascinating for me to go back and see the cultural connections because we lived it. But this story on its own, uh, I thought it was amazing. And I thought it was amazing in the same way that I thought others were amazing, that it made me argue with myself about what is and what is not right. And each per each character in this story has their own version of that. Uh, and I find that fascinating and amazing. And I gave it four out of five uh, to Paul's PGA half shirts. Oh, there you go. Those silky... She wears those an awful lot, doesn't she? I don't know why a Vulcan needs a half shirt to go to bed in, but whatever. I never saw Spock running around in those. If I remember correctly, you mm. had a problem when she took off her top for the neuropressor, so this should be a tremendous improvement. No, I didn't have a problem with her taking <laughs> off her top. Do you want to go ahead and address this? What no, I have a problem I with is... Oh, God. <laughs> four out of five, not, huh? <laughs> uh, four out of five. This was a really great story, guys. Cool. Let's get, so, 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 perfect. So let's start with the Tupal, and let's start with this part of it, because per, this is in, in the okay. opening moments of the show, too. I mean, we get, we get the funeral... At the very beginning, which you know, there's then, trip lying which there. Which is there just for shock value. Oh, trip has died. Oh, sure. no. What's the story? So two weeks earlier, this is what happened. Right. And, and then we jump right into the foot rub neuropressure scene, mm -hmm. right? Where they're both, mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, I mean, they're, they're in, an, in that position where they're able to each... Take care of each other's feet? I, yeah. Anyway, um... The best thing about that scene was actually the two characters being comfortable with each other to talk about what they're passionate about. Yes. Which, T'Pol doesn't, because obviously she doesn't. However, seeing Trip show his passion for mechanics, this episode gave me a way bigger appreciation for the actors. Mm-hmm. This was directed by Le LeVar Burton, right? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. He brings out, I mean, I don't know in general if he does this, but in this episode particularly, um, Scott Bakula was, for all that I disagree with the story of his choices, mm -hmm. amazing in his acting and what he put on screen. Yeah. I haven't really liked Trip thus far. I think he's a little good old boy and it kind of like, meh, whatever. Mm -hmm. This was amazing to watch him as Sim. Beautiful, different emotions and still trip. And I thought it was absolutely beautiful. To Paul, in some of the scenes, finally I got to hear her real voice. Yes. And I didn't realize how annoyed I was with her this entire time because <laughs> from yes. Spock, his speech the way he talks is is like the actor understood Vulcan because he's the only one who'd played it at the time. So, but he was that. Every time um, Jolene Blaylock has spoken, it's like she's trying to be a Vulcan, and it has annoyed me. Yeah, there, there's Spock was engaging. Yes, there was even in his coldness and his Vulcan-like demeanor, he was engaging and and fascinating. Yes, the censors. It didn't bother me. 
and she hadn't she hadn't been engaging and one of the one of the things that I do you know you know how I've been building mm-hmm. these tracks is trying to make these through line stories and the through line story that I chose for enterprise mostly because it's there is the relationship between Trip and Paul so all of these episodes have pretty much addressed some version of that and this was the progression that weird blue light special where they're rubbing yeah. each other down into flocks, pushing them into the neuro pressure yeah. into this episode where now it starts out with that same awkwardness, right? Like here you go again. Yeah. And I, I remember when I watched that the first few times and I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, I, I know how she feels about it. I know how, how everyone feels about and this. Yet by the end of the episode, there, it's it, it, something has softened with everybody, and they've started to be real people. The relationship, for the first time, for me at least, started to feel like it could actually be based on something more than just writers trying to throw two people together. They felt sim, and it was out of sim yes, that they were able to explore that. Yes, and and then I'll point out this too because I think this is a fascinating component of it. Is she? gets to remember even though for him it never right, happened right and and this goes back to some of those original star trek stories the the year of hell where you said as long as somebody remembers yes and I, and i love yes. the component of how she remembers yes. how he really feels and now we'll see what happens going forward i really loved the scene where he confesses and i'm quote fingers his feelings and it was less about the kiss because I thought that that was a little bit manipulative of like the writers and the producers again with the massage. And there was a little bit of that on there. The kiss doesn't solve anything. It just leads to like a pointless reminder that she's female and she has to fall in love with someone. And I'm going to mention that because two episodes earlier, she was secretly all angsty about taking care of Archer in his old age. So if you haven't seen that episode, It bothers me. Obviously, she's being used because she's female. She absolutely has to fall in love with someone, which is ridiculous because she's Vulcan and she, like, wouldn't in my mind. Yeah. Leaving that alone. The point of that scene that really got me was Sim saying, I don't know if this is me or if it's him. And her line, I can't answer that or help you with that or what, like, I don't know the exact words, but she's just like, I can't do anything about that for you. But you could see it impact her. And the, that was so beautiful. I don't know if it's him or if it's me. Neither does she. Yeah. Ah, that got me. That that was real, at least. The line on Sim blurs so much. So much. Where does Sim leave off and trip begin? And, and mm-hmm. uh, so, right, writer's brain. I got to ask, because yeah. from my perspective... Did we know that Sim's personality was going to be so completely trip? No, because the the surprise for everyone is, and for me, was that this clone had his memories. Is trip, yeah, right. Which can we just address the ridiculousness of that? That was little jumping the shark. Maybe not a giant shark. I get why they had to do it for us to feel it. Like, I'll accept it. Yeah. But it's so bad on the sci-fi level. <laughs> Put, give, give me a line. Give me a reason for me to believe that having an alien clone would, that turns into Trip actually being Trip. 
And you didn't, and I had to mentally get over that where they could have thrown in even something. That was the component that was there. Was I got the distinct feeling that they were trying to tell us um, this was a surprise that he ended up having personality. But I don't feel like they did an adequate job of actually telling us that i feel like right that, you know, maybe when, yeah when, when he remembered when he remembered the the war of the world story and remembered his mom reading it that's that first inclination where they are like surprised by it right he remembers his mom because it would have it would have made the ethics a little bit easier for me if flocks clearly was surprised clearly was surprised by no he's not going to be an actual copy of trip you're not gonna we're not gonna have to actually operate on a copy of trip and watch trip die in 15 days this is just a this is just a medical device that we're using this is i'm just growing tissue and then it turns into something more would have been a, a fascinating component that they could have explored but didn't. i mean i think they did I thought about that. I thought about they could have used the transporters. Sure. It would have been an interesting ethical tie-in to, to use Enterprise as a way of how do, how do we use the ethics of transporters back when they were probably still figuring that out because they were just learning to transport well, people. Well, I mean, TNG has the episodes where they literally just copy people because they've got them in there, right? I'm, I yeah, several. They could have. They could have used this to address. I'm just seeing all the ways they could have gone. Certainly, the big one. Mm-hmm. What if it had been Sim that had been the only one that could have survived this going forward? Yes. We ended up with a new character with all of Trip's memories, but having also grown up in a week and a half. Mm-hmm. I knew it wouldn't be that way, but we got to the point where he was. That. Me too. We got to the point where he was an adult, and it crossed my mind. I was like, oh, "They could do that. We could have Sim Trip, right? And an Archer having to be a little more mentally flexible because I think about later on, Kirk has no problem accepting these kinds of things. Picard has no problem accepting these kinds of things." DS9 has no problem. There's an episode where uh, uh, O'Brien, because he must suffer, comes back after having been in that prison, that awful, awful thing. Yes. And he's, of course, the episode is about, but we accept that that time-altered O'Brien is still O'Brien. It's a little far-fetched, but there's plenty of examples later on, and it was fascinating to see Archer's intractability in his brain to accept that this is also Trip. And he says it in that line, which was really great. Earth needs Enterprise. Enterprise needs Trip. Enterprise needs Trip. And that's done. Trip. Not you. My Trip. I know him. Mm -hmm. Because Archer cannot accept that this is the same thing. And and he made him. He gave that order. This is a real thing. You did this. He gave the order to make him. And then he has to give the order to... He does not have to give the order to kill him. Well, he, he does. Okay, you're right. He doesn't his, have to. And this is why I loved it, because in my mind, I'm like, you absolutely have a responsibility to that, to not do what you're doing. Yeah, you created And in his mind, life. he has the responsibility to do exactly what he's doing. So good. Remember last week when you said, I'd like a little morality in my Star Trek again, yeah, please? Yeah, and look at how much I'm enjoying it. Did I deliver or did I deliver? They delivered. <laughs> well, they delivered. I just found it. So, yeah, I, all I could take credit for is having picked it. But you picked a good one. Yeah. They start to deliver on a more consistent basis. Here we are again. Third season. Mm-hmm. 
they're getting their feet under mm -hmm. them. And the, the sad part is, is they'd already lost so much of their audience that they barely survived being canceled in the third season, which led into, and we'll talk about it when we get to next week and Talking Trek, uh, which led into the fourth season, which is phenomenal. It's these kinds of stories and the fill-ins mm -hmm. of... Of the history, yeah. This is what Enterprise should have been from day With one. With a little bit of that, I love the the weird aliens and the weird worlds that we go to. The Zindi concept is awesome. I love the idea of five races all like cohabitating a world sentiently and arguing themselves about the best way to deal with their crap. Well, that one surprised me because I liked that. And then I watched um, the one right before this episode is uh, the uh, shoot the shipment. And you find out that there used to be six. Yes. And that I think is a fascinating storyline that. Right. The, oh, that's right. I'd forgotten about that. Those are the, uh, the, the aerials or what do they call them? The, 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 av the aviaries. Yeah. And he's like, the sky used to be filled with them. The bird um, people. And my grandpa knew, and I was just like, Oh, this is a cool thing. But we've got these five races. We've got we've got the expanse, and you've seen some stuff with the spheres now, right? Yes, got to see more than that. And there's a bunch more that we didn't know, and they're set up in a way that makes it the expanse is a thing that was purposefully done. We don't know by who. So very cool. They're a little Death Starry. <laughs> so there's the, so the third season, which which could have it's so funny because we talked about this in the last episode, could have been let's go kill the bad guy. And instead has turned into a series of interesting ethical sto stories, some really interesting puzzles to solve, and some, some bad guys out there that we get to discover for our first time, which is kind of fun. And then the Zindi, which is, I think, fun. I don't know. You tell me. What do you think of the third season so far? Well, we should talk about that during Talking Track. Let's get back to the... the what are we talking about? We were talking about Sims specifically, and I think I should... Do you want to talk about designer babies? Or do you want to talk about, like, my sister's keeper? Because <laughs> these are both very interesting questions that were posed and, of course, not answered. Because that wasn't the point of this story. But you talk about the different ways that this story can go. So, yeah, let's start with designer babies. Okay. So, so I don't know where people were in terms of even that idea. At the time, there was a huge, well, and even now, is we're going to leave this alone in science, even though science is growing at such a massive speed. It cannot keep up with us making decisions ethically and legally. It's amazing how science goes way beyond legality, and and you have to back up and say... Legals have to catch up. Yeah, yeah. The, the law, even with the internet, like the law is... Barely catching up to stuff that we should privacy practices that should have been yeah. thought of beforehand, but nobody knows about it because the science is just poof, we're taking off at crazy speeds. Yeah. What do you think about designer babies? The the obvious repercussions of creating programmable people is either in personality or traits or looks or physics. Yeah, physical attributes. I mean, it could be it could be anything. Not from even like mental abilities or. The getting rid of disabilities kind of thing. Yeah, and and is a disability a disability? Mm -hmm. Is is there value in a a part of our population being different? Right. Do we take away a component of our humanity by 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 programming out 
qualities that we consider to be undesirable in the moment. Yes. And they may be programmed out for all time if our evolution changes because of that. If we design babies that no longer have certain diseases, we're essentially doing we may no longer have those diseases in the future. But if we design babies that that all have blue eyes, you know, or we design out brown hair because that's just the boring hair. And I'm just using that as an example. Yeah, I, I don't know. Pick any pick any physical trait. Anything where where we've all said it should be. We this. make ourselves weaker because we don't then have access to all of those quote finger problems. There is a time absolutely in history where left handed was unbelievably unwanted. Correct. Yes. I'm left-handed, guys. Um, it's a pain in the butt. This is a fantastic example. Fantastic example. It is because it doesn't make a difference. A and yet, at one point, whether it, but in some ways, it really does. At one point, there were the the, the the modern thinking would have been: if we can program people to never be left-handed, we should do right. it. Right. That's a great example. Have I grown up compensating? And I absolutely have. What have I lost for that compensation, but what have I gained? And, and what has humanity gained from your having been through that experience that we wouldn't have gotten? And I know humanity on a whole, maybe not much, but the people that you might have influenced just from something that small would not have happened that way. Right. Are we cutting off our nose to spite our genetically altered face? I tried to make that into a clever, like, like, but I don't know if that worked out or no, not. No, I get like. <laughs> but, but that's kind of the point, right? I got exactly where you're going with that. And I think, I think you're right. The funny thing is, is we both are finding meaning in this, but it has nothing to do with whatever you take out, whatever you put in. If you give somebody super strength or if you give everyone super strength, right. it doesn't like, or pick a trait. It doesn't matter. You could be making yourself, you could be making all of us better, weaker. We don't yeah. know. I, I don't either. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know the conclusion to this. I think it's, I think in general, it's a bad idea. Are we, are we really going to do that to ourselves? That sounds like a bad idea. At some point, it stops being about health and it starts being about cosmetics or it starts being about image. I could certainly understand wanting to maybe design out cancer. Right. Or design out Alzheimer's, if they could ever figure out a way to do that. Okay, see, that one, oh, God, when it comes to, yeah. What are the ramifications of that? Are we capable of doing that? And does it matter? What are the ethics? If someone volunteers for that, okay. designer babies, <laughs> Well, huh? and this isn't even as much on topic as, have you read the book, My Sister's Keeper, or I have not. Okay. It's a story about, and this is a real thing, a family has a girl who needs, a, I believe it's bone marrow, which uh -huh. is a whole lot easier now than it was when this book was printed. So they end up having a whole nother baby, and this baby is essentially born so that her sister can survive. They get this baby, and she has endless operations done on her so that her sister can survive. And it's told from the point of view of her as I think she's a preteen when and she goes to a lawyer and says, I would like the right to tell my parents to stop it. Mm. Stop using me and doing these procedures. I have no right to say no at this point. And they keep telling me that I have to go and have all of these procedures done. They're painful. They're awful. And I am only my existence is so that my sister's existence can continue. It yeah. this is this. 
Yeah, it is. It's 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 a very what what fifteen days. Mm-hmm. It's all you get to live, and we're not going to cut you off until what day thirteen or twelve? Do you get three extra days? And do we say, oh God, the 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 ethical quandaries are insane. Mm-hmm. I, I I agree that we're not supposed to believe that he was actually going to become a copy of Trip. We could not have thought that. And he wasn't supposed to die from the operation. He was supposed to live out his normal life as 15-day-old as it might that be. That scene where Phlox has to tell Archer, from the moment that, that the, the, the scene opens up and you can just see the look on Phlox's face before Archer walks in the door. Mm-hmm. I've seen people that have bad news to tell someone, and that's the face of it. It that was a that was such a genuine scene because it was like, what the hell do you do now? I was surprised. All of these scenes are actually, yeah, the actors just shined in this. And Levar Burton brought a lot, a lot out to of this. Everybody, and, uh, yes, everybody, uh, and he's good. Even the kids, the kids were great. So the kid that played Trip that got to go, the one that played. Older kid, tri- I don't know. There were like yeah. four or five different trips there in there. There was little baby trip. He was so cute. There was little baby mm-hmm. trip. There was, and then there the was the reading scene. The reading there trip. There was the flying. The next one was flying right, trip, and he's Archer the one that went dad. in to see trip. And Archer gets to play dad. And there's a moment where where he sees trip, and he's 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 out of questions to ask at this point. And the next question is, can we go back and fly right. the? Clearly, he's too young to quite comprehend the magnitude. He makes a face that I'm telling you, I swear to God, it was Trip. (laughs) This kid. And I just, I I wondered how they were able to produce such a beautiful... Sequence. Sequence of him. I believe that every one of these people was him growing up. I really did. This was a beautifully told episode. It was. Getting back to Phlox. Uh, I loved seeing him hold baby trip. I loved seeing him with the bottle. Mm -hmm. I thought that that was so genuine and it made me think of Phlox, the dad, Phlox, the the family, because he's talked about the the polyamorous nature of, he's clearly had a lot of family. A lot of experience. I think it was a bit of a cop-out at the end. He's not a... Uh, Sim isn't angry with Flox. He's like, I've had a good dad, and Flox is, and I'm like, oh my god, maybe there should have been anger there. You, he addresses the anger toward Archer, yeah, but he never addresses it toward Flox. And I think that one of the hidden things in this was be careful what you suggest as an expert to people in powerful positions. Flox could have come up with any number of solutions and he reaches in and grabs this thing that will he knows will become a sentient being to paul knows that this is illegal mm-hmm. maybe not out here in the expanse but it's illegal somewhere at least some culture out there has decided that there are ethical issues that they say they're not willing to do it right we haven't explored it so we don't know whether or not that that brings in the other thing ethics to one culture isn't the same as ethics to another culture and how do you judge whether this was right or wrong or things like that there may be some cultures out there that do this as a practice and i think flox is really interesting in this because he's very neutral he reminded me of garrick actually Mm. where he'll tell you what's going on uh flox is way more like nice and good guy-ish, but in some way he's so neutral that it could be taken as evil. Hmm. Oh, I just, I find him fascinating. 
Interesting. Really interesting. Right? Uh, you, you know me and my DM, my dungeon mastering, right? Oh, right, sure, right? sure. What's his alignment? So I'm thinking about his alignment, right? Uh-huh. Is, is he chaotic good? He might be chaotic good. Kind of the ends justify the means as long as it all works out. I think out. he's true neutral. And he might be a little more toward neutral. Because I don't think he's chaotic. He's very, he's very even keeled about a lot of things. But he doesn't seem to have a problem tiptoeing across the line a little bit. Maybe he's chaotic neutral. With a little bit of a tendency towards good. Maybe, yeah. With a little tendency towards good. And because he's ethical and all that. And what's funny is, is I'm now thinking, well, wait till we get to the Mirror episode and you get to meet Mirror Flocks. <laughs> oh, I want to see Mirror Flocks. That sounds great. Oh, you're going to enjoy Mirror yeah. Flocks. Because he's basically very even keeled and tends toward evil. <laughs> you know, just tends the other way. I think that's totally appropriate. He's a little like the Doctor, too. Uh, in Voyager. I agreed. And I thought about the scene where the doctor was performing the experiments on seven and they're singing and they're, you know, and, and it doesn't take much for that character to be pushed from good guy to not. Yeah. All of these characters viewed from the outside could be evil in this. And that's kind of what I love about this is Archer certainly isn't a good guy. If, if we come across this ship and don't name it enterprise yeah this is not starfleet ship this is not the ethical people we would want to run into if we came across these guys we're bad guys the zindi think we're bad guys right the message the underlying thing throughout this entire third season that has really driven me crazy and made me not like a lot of aspects of this in war tough decisions have to be made I'll play the bad guy because somebody's has to. Yeah. I saw so much of this in culture high school on because of the militaristic vibe. The truth is, I don't know the line of when you're talking about like what makes us human. If we give that up, if we declare we have to be the bad guys to survive, then we're bad guys and we're surviving as bad guys. Do we really, do we really, do I want a leader who does that as opposed to an attack that kills us? If survival means not being who we claim that we are, are we worthy of survival? Yes. Kind of an interesting quandary for how all of this goes, isn't it? Yeah. Assuming we survive the Zindi. I would assume we're probably going to survive the Zindi only because Kirk, Picard, Cisco, Janeway. I don't know. They've erased entire timelines before, so it's true. <laughs> we, we might be in a whole different. Time. Right. We are. We we are still in the middle Sci-fi. of the temporal cold war, so yeah. that's still going on. I'm still stuck on the message thing. It would have been nice because I did think the ending was a bit of a cop out, and it could have totally changed if Sim Trip replaces Trip Trip, and we all eventually forget until we bring it up because sci-fi, and we have to bring it up. Yes. But aside from that. It would have been amazing, absolutely amazing, if it had focused on the creativity and passion both Sim and Trip have as the same being, as opposed to what ends up being, in my mind, a raving lunatic, I have to because mission. What do you do with all of the things that you do because you're intrinsically motivated? Trip is trip because he's he's got all of this engineering and he's got all of this love. It's so clear from the massage. He gets all lost in like, what could we do if we did warp five this and that and make it all stable and stuff? And Archer so needs that. Yeah. Because he's so like military minded right now in this. 
He has a mission. He has got to save Earth. He literally has the weight of the world on his shoulders still. Still. And in his mind, I get that. But from the outside, it's just like, eh, you're... I know. No. Nope. Mm-mm. It's becoming a story of what are you willing to do, Archer? And I hate that. I don't want that story. Mm-hmm. Which is weird because I love that with Janeway. <laughs> I know. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> That's amazing. Here you are watching her and seeing those ethical quandaries in her and, and being fascinated by it and watching similar kinds of situations and not liking it as much. And maybe it's the surroundings. Maybe it's some of the other characters. Maybe it's some of the other components. Listen, the people that stuck with Enterprise, and I stuck with Enterprise all the way through. I mean, I'm, You're a completionist. That's why. <laughs> I'm going to watch everything they come out with. Mm-hmm. You have to. They may as well just stick a stick a needle in my vein and send it straight to CBS because <laughs> <laughs> it's a good addiction at least. I'm going to watch whatever they decide to pump into me. So there you go. Mm. But I stuck with it and as it started to get good and then you started to realize there were less and less people to talk to about it because people stopped watching yeah. it. Yeah. You take the pool of Star Trek and then you made it even smaller by... Yeah. But everybody does that. Same thing with DS9. Like, did you like DS9? Because I was in love with it. Right. You got to find that you gotta find within the, the pool. <laughs> and, and, and there are a ton of people that love, that love this series. Mm-hmm. I love parts of this series. And, I, and as a whole, as a part of the whole mythos of Star Trek, there's some fascinating stuff in there. They made a lot of choices that did not work for a lot of people early on and they lost a lot of folks bummer but this was a good one so talk some trek let's talk some trek what are we talking about for trek we've made our way through the third season or through the first part of the third season if you get a chance to continue going through great the storyline is there obviously you have plenty of time to watch all the star trek in the world can i do something that you're really really not gonna like go for it will you spoil the end of the zendi line for me because we're going into the fourth season, right? I mean, we are. From what I understand, the third season is the Zendi arc and it ends. So I'm sure we do some timey wimey or something, and Archer saves the day or something, but we all learn a lesson in the end about Zindi or something very close to that. <laughs> Ooh, boy, that's you're, you're hitting me right in my in my spoiler gland. I know. You know that 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 gland that I seem to have an abundance of, where I don't want to give spoilers. Um, yes, I will give you I will give you some general ideas of how the. But I'll tell you what, I'll do that next week. But I don't want to watch the fourth season without knowing what happened in the end. I got that. Okay, so I'll spoil a little tiny bit for you. Okay. The Zindi get dealt with, and we actually end up discovering that it was the Temporal Cold War people that were behind all of this stuff. Shocking. There's a big deal with the spheres where we basically i can't believe you want me to spoil all this stuff i know but i'm going Uh, to be watching the fourth season and i want to know what archer and the crew have been through okay so do we disable all of the spheres do we blow them up do we we disable all of the spheres okay that sounds about right which makes the expanse not the expanse exactly into normal space which is why which is why there's no more expanse in kirk's time because it no longer exists and the anomalies go away Mm -hmm. i'll be real honest with you i'm not gonna i'm not going to tell you much more about what happens with the Zindi storyline because I haven't gotten there in my watching yet again. And while I remember certain things like Stratagem, which is a great 
storyline with one of the Zindi guys, the the humanoid Zindi, and Archer will develop an interesting relationship. I'll leave it at that, mm-hmm. but he's the one that's building the weapon. Oh, okay. Degra is the one that's actually building the weapon, and so uh, he becomes almost friends with Archer and then begins to have moral quandaries. Yeah. And that's a big part of the, the future gotcha. timeline. It's hard to mass murder, commit genocide when you're friends with somebody who you're going to blow up. A little more difficult. Yeah. Let's all be friends then. Right. Now, the insectoids and they the still have no and, problem. Uh, reptilians, yeah, they pretty much are okay with killing all of us anyway. So it splits the it splits the council. And the aquatics spend some time. So here you go. This is spoiling a little bit of this, how the Zindi Thank goes. Thank you. I can get you there. <laughs> we end up on the spheres. We end up with a big, giant action scene, which I won't spoil all of, except Archer does not survive and doesn't make it back to Enterprise. By not survive. However. It's Star Trek. In a very weird scene in the final moments of the third season, and I'll spoil this for He ya. gets shipped to a planet that's still growing and therefore. Sort of. <laughs> he gets shipped to World War II, except that World War II isn't World War II because the Nazis have a bunch of aliens like running around with them. And this is the conclusion of the Temporal Cold War. Okay. Bravo, we've gotten into the fourth season now. Yay, fourth season. Woohoo. All right, so now you're going to tell me what's recommended. So Stormfront, one, one and two, don't watch those. Perfect. Unless you, it, it's, it, they're a little weird. Especially out of order, I'm sure. We have definitely moved into they don't care anymore. The, the writers have gone for broke. We barely survived our third season. They're giving us one more, but there's just no way we're going to build our audience back. So let's write all of those stories we really wanted to write. Let's have some fun. And they do. Perfect. So once Stormfront is done, and this is my first actual recommendation, although Stratagem's a great one for people that have been following the Zindi storyline because it, it, it's, it's spoiled some of it already. But if you're that far along, you could you could watch it. Once you're, we're back from the Zindi and from the Expanse, and once Archer once again saves the day in World War II, because... That's what he does. That has mm-hmm. to happen. Because I'm Jack Bauer, and that's the thing. We come home, and the third episode of the fourth season is called Home. Oh, well, there you go. And we come home. First off, we stop off at Vulcan. We drop off to Paul and Trip. Trip decides to hang out. Their relationship has progressed, and she's bringing him home to meet Mom. Okay. And there is um, T'Pol's future husband also. Oh, she's going to make Trip fight to the death. So we'll just have to see where that goes. That one but, Jolinar or whatever. No. The, what's the thing where they do the killing so that you can mate thing? The, uh, where they go through Ponfar. Ponfar, thank you. Ponfar, yes. So that's one of the thi- one of the storylines. And then the other storyline of Home involves Archer coming back to Earth oh. and having to deal with the ramifications of... All of the stuff that he had to do when he was out Let there. Let me take a wild stab at this one. Go for it. We're going to be all bureaucratic about it. He's going to have to get angry at some kind of council meeting with the higher ups because military. Really not. Although, really? Al- although, yes! although in home, he does have to address. There is a there is a council scene where he does have to address the issues that happened during the, the episode Impulse. So I'm glad you watched that with the Vulcan ship where we find the Vulcan ship. Okay. He's set to task on how much did you really try to save them? 
Dude, they were zombies. It brings, right? They were total like, zombies, literal, right? Like, literal, it was a Halloween episode. They were zombies. Like, it was a zombie horde of, mm. of Vulcans. A Vulcan zombie horde. They were very, Which, yes. somehow them being Vulcans makes it even worse. So great. Like, neurotoxin stuff going on in their brain yeah. made me... Like, that was that was super effective on a... Not on, like, a horror level. I wasn't terrified or anything. I wasn't jumping in my chair. But it was, it was good. It was it really was a, engaging. Yeah, I agree. So, he gets a little bit of that, and so, then... So, he has to deal with that, and then he gets to meet... He already knows her, the captain of the NX-02, the Columbia, okay, which is the next Warp 5 ship that's almost ready to go out. Shiny. He really gets to deal with what he had to do in his conversations with her. They do, there's a lot of, it, it, it's got kind of a family feel to it, like when Picard had to come back after the boar. Right. So this is him having to come back and, and deal with this was not what I expected to be out of Captain. I thought it was going to be all first contact and friendly hugs with aliens. And she thinks that's what it's going to be and he's trying to warn her and that's where this episode and goes. And funny, does he turn into a little bit of a Vulcan and say mm, maybe you shouldn't do that, maybe you should be more careful. Now he gets to wear those pants and see how it feels. And then there's a small third storyline which we'll address later in the fourth season where Phlox runs into some xenophobic humans. People are a little pissed off at aliens because they've attacked us. And, you know, people. Ah. And aliens and aliens and alien. And so, you know, let's start a fight with flocks. One of the sweetest aliens you could ever meet. Well, <laughs> one of the most neutral aliens you could ever meet. <laughs> but in a pleasant way. Yeah, he's he's been fascinating to me. I've really enjoyed. He seems he seems cuddly. I want to be his friend. He seems incredibly cuddly, doesn't he? I want to be John Billingsley's friend, John Billingsley, too, yes. Because he yes. seems pretty legit. Like, cool dude. Anywho. So that's, that's home. Now, the fourth season, I've already mentioned this, the fourth season was an anthology. Right. So they started to just put stories in it. We, we're we're going to leave behind... And it doesn't matter. We'll just replace the characters with whatever we need. We'll get back to the, the TOS style. Don't quite remember exactly what happened last week, unless it's a part of a okay. two- or a three-parter, of which the third season has tons. Sure. The third season has lots of two-parters and lots of three-parters. So I recommended a one-parter. That was home. Okay. You mean the fourth season. Sorry, you said third season. I'm sorry. For all of that, I meant the fourth season. So so the fourth season has a bunch of big stories, but they're all kind of... Yes, and, and a lot of them get a little epic-y. Cool, we love that. Right? Like, like Voyager kind of had that going. This was something that Star Trek was pretty good at. So, episodes four, five, and six of the fourth season are called Borderland, Cold Station 12... And the Augments. Okay. Remember Khan? I remember Khan. Khan! Khan! So um, these guys are part of that bygone era that we're going to meet. We're going to meet some Augments. Yeah, we haven't addressed the weirdness of what we've referenced in history. So cool. It's good to see that. This right here will address it. And these guys had a father. And that father was a guy named Dr. Eric Sung. Now, I don't know if you know the name Sung. Because we didn't really hit him on your track. But Sung is also the person that created Data. Oh, yeah. I knew it sounded a little bit familiar. Okay. Dr. Nunian Sung was the one that created Data. So this guy is inventing a lot of stuff. Well, Eric Sung is a ancestor of Dr. Nunian Sung. Oh, okay. Not the same dude. Not okay, the same cool. guy. But the same actor. 
the same actor. Uh, So we get we get a great three episode arc that includes Brent Spiner as Dr. Eric Sung. One one more show, one more character for Brent Spiner to be added to the list. And why not? He's brilliant. <laughs> and it's, a, it's got a lot of great background on Khan, on the augments, on the eugenics war. Um, so all of that right in there. So I mentioned a, a, an episode. Oh, and also it talks about the Orion Syndicate, which ironically will be important for next week okay so i usually mention three and i know i sort of said home and then i did a three pack as one mm-hmm. i'm gonna throw this in just for fun mm-hmm. jessica do you remember the orion slave girl i remember the orion slave girl yeah. i could recommend you go back and watch the cage again just so that you could remember who she was oh joy but there was another orion girl that is just one of my favorite characters from the original series. So I'm going back to the original series for a recommendation. Okay. She's not really a slave girl. She's more sort of criminally insane. Awesome. Uh, The episode was the 16th episode of the third season of the original series is called whom gods destroy. And all the way back to TOS. All right. Yes. And and one of the reasons I want you to see this is to remember who these Orion girls are. And this one was played beautifully by Yvonne Craig, who later went on, or maybe before. I don't know if she did Star Trek before she did Batman, but she was Batgirl. Okay. Cool. It's really cool to see her being generally nuts because she's crazy in this episode. So there's my recommendations for the week. All right. And then we get to the actual next week. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk next week. What am I watching now that we've talked all about the fourth and third seasons? Oh, Andy, are you seriously going to do this to yourself in the world? Are we really going to? Am I going to? Okay. This was the track. Uh-oh. This sounds like it's going to be good. I got to be crazy or high or something to be recommending this episode. All right. So. So. Remember those Orion slave girls. Yes, you do. We have talked about this. Bring them back. Let's get to the 17th episode of the fourth season. In the anthology nature of things, you literally can watch most of these episodes in almost any order as long as you, you know, keep the the two and three parters together. Okay. So moving forward to the 17th doesn't mean I'm spoiling any of the previous stuff and there's some other great episodes to watch. You've got four hours already recommended. Yeah. But the 17th episode of the fourth season is about the Orion Syndicate and is an episode called Bound. Bound. And it features to Paul. Okay. Um, you sound like you don't want to do this. I. This is the episode where we retcon the way that you feel about the Orions. And I'm curious to know what you think of this retcon. And I'm terrified and I'm but excited. But you're terrified I'm ter- that it's going to be me yelling at you for an let hour. Me tell you, let me tell you, I, really, <laughs> I really am. I'm a little bit scared that the, okay. the, the, the sexism that's in this episode and I swear to you, it's there. The dancing girls are there in green. There's multiples of them. This is, I'm showing this to you with my eyes as wide open as they can be and feeling like an idiot for doing it. But that's what I'm doing. Okay. So given all that, mm-hmm. and given that you know that this is a retcon, mm-hmm. I'm going to allow you to come up with a prediction while you tell people when you'll be watching Bound. Okay. I am going to be watching Bound, this beautiful retcon 
or possibly awful retcon of the Orion Slave Girls on the 16th. That is this coming Sunday at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. Andy still looks terrified. So if Andy, if you want to follow along, yes, first, oh yeah, first impressions are going to be there at Begin the Trek on the Twitters. They're on Facebook too. Beginning the Trek, and or if you want to wait till we actually post. They'll be on www.beginningthetrek.com slash podcast slash bound. Hashtag bound. I promise <laughs> to you all that I will not read her notes. Uh-oh. I will not read her tweets. You will find my reactions to her reactions to be 100% genuine because I will do my very best to not know anything about what you think of this episode until you and I sit down to record it. Huh. That's like my entire trek thus far. Yes. It's just me avoiding people talking about that. Yes. Except for the intro song, which got... <laughs> We didn't talk about this, but yeah, I heard the remix of the third season. A little more power to that power ballad, huh? Oh, a little less power to that power ballad. Oh, a little more, a little more jingle to the power ballad. So what a weird (laughs) way to go with that. Anyway, I'm just putting this all off. Okay, so I think this is going to be a first contact situation. I will spoil for you that we will be meeting the Orions during the the we we will have already met. Oh right, the the, the syndicate is from like the the three thing that you mentioned. Exactly. So we do know about that. So I'll give you a moment. I'll give you a moment to come back on that. Well, I mean, it kind of... Okay, so the story is going to be they're going to run into the people who, like, of course, the men of the society who own the Orion slave girls. Ooh, maybe they're owned by madams. That would be more interesting, at least. I'm going to go with that. Okay, so Archer's going to run into, like, the madams of the culture who run the slave girl stuff. And I have no idea what, he's going to get kissed. Definitely. Because he seems to be a little Kirky on that. Because green girl on screen with captain. With captain, therefore kiss. Therefore kiss. I'm trying to think if there's ever been a time where that hasn't happened. Maybe not. Well, and I love the way a, a lot of them play it off as, oh, I have alien abilities. And so I have to kiss you. That's been twice now for Archer that that's happened that I've watched on screen. It's like, oh, okay, sure. <laughs> Yet another way to put a kiss on screen where it doesn't mean anything to us as the audience. No. Have them actually kiss then. If they like each other, then have them like each other. Like, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. It's weird when you put up the sexuality without any kind of like, we're going to pretend it's not sexual. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's see what happens next week with Bound. If uh, what you think of the sexuality in that episode, a little bit of skin too. It's named Bound. It's named so Bound. So maybe, maybe I'm hoping. Slaves. Slaves. Well, then maybe we should make Archer join the slave girls. He has to do what they do. And I'm sure he'll enjoy it because they enjoy it. Hmm. You want him to dance? Just as much as I want everybody to dance. <laughs> okay, got it. <laughs> That's all I have for that. Now I can already feel like, nah, all you I don't know what's going to happen. Because dance, dance. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's a great prediction. Some of the names give them away, really. Like, similitude and then you telling me what's who's going to be featured and kind of why. It's fairly easy, yeah. You, but you were able to get a lot of that. This yeah. is not. Let's end this. Guys, if you've enjoyed... Wait, what were we going to say? I was going to say what you are going to say, so go for it. Mm, no, you do it, because I did the intro most of it, so you get to say this one. Okay. So, uh, thank you all again. We're, we're, we, as we approach the end of another episode of Beginning the Track, we want to... Once again, thank you all for for listening to us. We do have a donate button set up on our webpage at www.beginningthetrek.com. So if something moves you, if something moves you you to to contribute a little bit to to the cause so that we can continue to share Star Trek with people that have never seen it or want to know more about it, please consider donating on our page. And 
definitely like, share, subscribe, comment, uh, tell your friends all the stuff that we've already kind of talked about. Anything else I need to say? Uh, if you like or hate Enterprise or like or hate anything that we've talked about, send us an email if that's your jam at info at beginningthetrek.com. There you go. We love to engage. So, Jessica? Talk to you next week. Bound. Uh, I usually end it with enjoy bound. I think you're going to love this. I'm going to okay. I'm going to go. I'm going to I'm going to shut off this recording knowing that you are going to love this episode. You're so terrified right now. <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> The magnetic things that are attacking them. Barnacles. They were like they look like magnetic barnacles. Barnacles. Yes, that's what I was thinking of. It's very, it's very ship. It's very original series. Mm -hmm. It was, it was fun. And the pulling like that was fun. Two shuttles can just about pull. We need another shuttle. Almost. They go like 0.6 kilometers per hour or something. Is what they said. You can get out and push and maybe go a little faster. But <laughs> if they had all put on like jetpacks and then been at like the warp core just. Literally pushing. <laughs> All of them looking like Superman flying jetpacks. <laughs>